everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. This is episode, what, 36. Thank you very much. And uh, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you also made your opinions very clear from the last episode, which not a lot of people listen to because apparently you want the political dirt. And that, my friends, is what I'm going to deliver. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how there are two very distinct systems of justice in the United States of America. Sadly, it is absolutely true. And when I give you examples of what I'm talking about, I think you'll realize that as well. Also, this new push for electric school buses has fallen flat on its face because there's all kinds of problems, and I'll explain that. And then Jane Fonda is still nuts. Yes, absolutely, completely left-wing nuts. What she said on the Kelly Clarkson show and another daytime show will boggle your mind. I still can't make sense of it. I think I've lost IQ points just listening to it so I could replay it for you on my podcast. And then I'll have to talk really quickly about some of the really good points that were covered in the Trump town hall on Sean Hannity the other night. Much different than the town hall on CNN. Donald Trump said some really interesting things that I think you need to know about. All of that and, like I said, a little bit more coming up on the Watchdog's Bark. And if you have any opinions, positive, negative, anything you want to tell me, any examples or ideas you want to give me, don't hesitate to write me, Drew, at thewatchdogsbark.com. All righty then. Our first topic of the day is there are two very distinct systems of justice in this country. Let me give you an example. Three years ago, during the summer of 2020, over 500 BLM riots happened across our countries. Cities were burned. Businesses were looted and destroyed. Many of those businesses, by the way, were minority-owned. Police officers were killed and injured. Hundreds of thousands of people were gathered closely together at a time when large gatherings were verboten. This was all okay and acceptable because they were protesting for the right causes, I put in air quotes. News stations all over the country had reporters standing in front of burning buildings, calling these riots mostly peaceful. And our own Vice President, Kamala Harris, raised bail money for the rioters to get them out of jail after they had been arrested for rioting, destruction of property, looting, harming, and killing police officers. I mean, these riots, these rioters even burned a federal courthouse in Portland and caused nearly $2 billion of damage nationwide. But all of this was justified because those rioters were protesting for the acceptable reasons and shared the acceptable ideology and belonged to the acceptable party. Meanwhile, across the nation, 
Churches were shut down. Neighbors ratted on their neighbors for having too many people at family gatherings. Loved ones died alone because their families were not allowed in hospice centers to be with them. Then, on January 6th, the riots happened at the Capitol. They were called traitors and terrorists, even seditious conspirators. They were rounded up and thrown in jail, and they threw away the key. They were put in jail under pre-charge detention for as much as long as two years. And they were held in horrific conditions in an ex-psych ward or psych wing of the D.C. prison. It barely had running water. They were fed one meal a day and deprived of sleep. They were told if they only pled guilty, all of this would go away. And many have given in to stop their suffering. I don't begrudge or blame them for doing so. That's why torture is such an effective tool in interrogation and war. Some people just couldn't take it anymore. And even after it was revealed that the horned QAnon shaman was not involved in the, pro in the rioting at all and was actually given a guided peaceful tour of the Capitol by the Capitol Hill police officers. To this day, people still think he's a traitor. They still want him to go to jail. Why? Oh, stick around. I'll tell you why. And by the way, the people in the Capitol may maybe caused about $100,000 worth of damage. There was some destruction of property. There was some, you know, stuff smeared on walls and different things like that by really people that should be detained. But one thing you don't know is most, and you have to watch the videos that were revealed on Tucker Carlson and other shows that showed 99.9% .9 of the people that went into the Capitol acted like tourists. They walked through doors that were held open for them by Capitol Hill police officers. And now we know there were FBI plants in the crowds. And we also know that Nancy Pelosi turned down the National Guard troops offered and authorized by President Trump. All of the networks, Hollywood celebrities, left-wing politicians called all of the people that dared protest that day traitors. Why? Because they belong to the wrong party. They have the unacceptable ideology. So again, let's compare, shall we? Both the riots of the summer of 2020 and the protesters and some rioters at the January 6th protests had hundreds of thousands of people. And during 2020, the summer of 2020, we had strict COVID lockdown procedures and large crowd restrictions. But all that was ignored because they were protesting for the right reason. On January 6th, they were all seditious conspirators and traitors to the country. Do you see the difference? And those that were there in January 6th of 2021 were there to protest an election that we now know was rigged. 
The DNC, the FBI, the CIA, the DOJ, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, professional sports teams and figures, Hollywood elites, all put their hand on the scale in the 2020 election. Not for Joe Biden, but against Donald Trump. Trump, you know, he used to be a celebrity and praised by Hollywood. He won awards from the NAACP. Politicians on the left and right came to him often for donations and endorsements. Then he made the mistake of running for president as a Republican, and he vowed to expose the corruption and drain the swamp. Now look how he is treated. As a matter of fact, Donald Trump said it himself at the correspondence dinner when he first was elected president. Listen. A special hello to all of you in this room who have known and loved me for many, many years. It's true. The politicians, they've had me to their homes. They've introduced me to their children. I've become their best friends in many instances. Uh, They've asked for my endorsement, and they always wanted my money. And even called me really a dear, dear friend. But then suddenly decided when I ran for president as a Republican that I've always been a no good, rotten, disgusting scoundrel. And they totally forgot about me. This was all said, of course, in jest. But it's very, very real. Let me give you another example. In that same correspondence dinner or or, uh, tribute dinner, Hillary Clinton was sitting there as well. And both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton have been accused of mishandling classified documents. Hillary Clinton deleted 33,000 emails that were under subpoena from Congress. She also wiped her server with bleach bit. By the way, did anybody know what bleach bit was until this whole thing happened? I didn't. But she wiped her entire hard drive and private server with bleach bit. She also had all of her staff destroy their Blackberries and laptops and other devices with hammers. That's definitely the behavior of someone that's innocent. (laughs) No charges, by the way. Absolutely no charges. So now let's compare. As president, something that Hillary Clinton will never be, thank goodness, as president, Donald Trump took classified documents to his Mar-a-Lago home and kept them in a secured room with a lock, a padlock on it, And the records office and FBI asked him to put an extra lock on it. So he did. What did they do? They raided his home in Mar-a-Lago. And they have a guy investigating him or heading up the investigation, special counsel, by a guy by the name of Jack Smith. He works at The Hague. He is a lawyer at The Hague. He investigates war criminals. So why do you think he was chosen by Biden to head up this special counsel into Trump's handling of the classified documents? Hmm? 
This two system of justice is political, nothing more. And by the way, did you know that some New York Times and Washington Post reporters won Pulitzer Prizes for their stories covering the Russian collusion hoax? Now that it's all been debunked, do you think they're going to turn back in their Pulitzers and admit their articles were all based on lies? Don't hold your breath. Why is there these two systems of justice? Well, Hillary Clinton belongs to the right party. Hillary Clinton has the right ideology. And Donald Trump belongs to the wrong party or represents the wrong party. And Donald Trump has the wrong ideology. He also has made it his mission to expose the deep state and the corruption in Washington, D.C. and drain the swamp. Well, that is why they attack him nonstop. I've said it before and I'll say it again. He is the biggest threat to world governance that has ever been in this country because he knows about it and wants to expose them all so we all know about it. And if the public knew about all of the corruption going on and all of the organizations like the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and the UN all working towards a world governance and trying to get the United States not necessarily destroyed but knocked down enough rungs so they're equal with all the other countries and interdependent on all other countries and they get rid of that incredibly government-limiting founding document called the Constitution, then those who want world governance will be able to take over much easier. But it is Donald Trump and our Constitution that is standing in their way. And yes, my friends, it is that serious. Let me just give you one more example of this double standard and two systems of justice. Planned Parenthood offices are protected, and any Christians or conservatives that dare be caught praying in front of them or talking to young women going into them are visited by the FBI in SWAT gear and arrested in front of their children and hauled off as criminals. Meanwhile, 70 over 70, actually, pregnancy centers or pro-life centers have been destroyed, firebombed with Molotov cocktails, and graffiti has been spray-painted on the doors by the group responsible, Jane's Revenge. And these crimes are not prosecuted. And these criminals are not even mentioned in the news. Why? Because. Planned Parenthood and those who support them belong to the right party and have the right ideology or acceptable ideology, I do in air quotes. And those who are pro-life, Christian, conservative, all belong to the wrong party and have the wrong ideology. There are definitely two systems of justice in this country. And if you can't see it, you're blind or you're being willfully ignorant because it is there 
in blaring clarity. And just to let you know, it pays to be a Democrat. You remember Chesa Boudin, uh, the DA in San Francisco that was recalled by the people of a very liberal city, by the way, because of how badly he had made things in San Francisco as far as law and order and criminal justice-wise? Well, guess what? He's now going to be heading up the new criminal justice department at UC Berkeley. Yeah, you get fired as a of the biggest cities in our country and used to be one of the most beautiful. It is not anymore at all, but used to be one of the most beautiful cities and famous cities in our country. And the person that destroyed it and was fired by the people of San Francisco are hired by UC Berkeley to teach and head up the Department of Criminal Justice. That's just insane. Oh, and Lori Lightfoot, the uh, mayor of Chicago, who ran the city into the ground, and especially during COVID, made such poor decisions that she was voted out by a very liberal city. Oh, and you remember during the pandemic when she went to a hair salon and claimed that she is a public figure and takes her personal hygiene very seriously and needed to get her hair done, so she did it. Basically, she waved her middle finger at the entire public of Chicago and says, basically, all of you are not as important as I am. And obviously, you don't care about your personal hygiene as much as I do. So you can just, you know, stay home and uh, shampoo and conditioner washed hair. And you don't have to get blowouts and have your hair styled because you're not a public figure. Well, this person is now going to be teaching at Harvard. And of all things, she's going to teach a class on leadership during the pandemic. Honestly, my friends, you cannot make this stuff up. This is reality. And this is absolute proof of two very distinct systems of justice in this country. One, party and ideology has the full support of all the legacy media, all sports teams, all corporations, and the other has no support except for a few stations that share that ideology and most of the U.S. public that, is ha that has been very quiet up until now. But I think you can see Right now, I think the bear has been poked one too many times, and I think the sleeping giant is finally waking up. What is happening to Bud Light and Target and um, North Face and all the other companies that are putting wokeness ahead of business are losing money. And as I discussed with a friend uh, over Twitter, basically, we cannot think that this is good and that's all we need to do. We need to fight, my friends, because they will never stop fighting. They'll never stop fighting to demoralize, sexualize, and desensitize your children. 
Why do they want to do that? Because they want those children raised as good little left-wing sycophant soldiers that will march in protest and put aside their parents and their influence and the way they were raised and religion and any of those pillars of strength that have been so strong over generations that kept families together and strong and relationships together and strong and mental health together and strong. That is the real reason why all of this is happening. It's happening to destroy and demoralize generations in this country so that those who want world governance and, yes, want to usher in Marxism and communism in this country can be successful. Go back and listen to my second podcast, What is Happening in Our School System, K-12. through Listen to that video of the Russian defector, Yuri Bezmenov, and the multi-generational plan to destroy the United States of America from within. I promise you, if you go listen to the entire video, and you can watch it on YouTube, just type in Yuri Bezmenov, and you'll find the full hour-ish video, and also you'll see cuts. And the one cut I played from in that second podcast of mine was like a 13-minute cut talking about the multi-step plan. But his entire video is worth listening to because you can check off everything he was talking about one by one. And we are in the final step, the final stage of destroying this country. And if you pay attention to and listen to one particular part, he said, even if we started from scratch today, it would take 15 to 20 years to undo everything that the left has done to destroy our country, our freedoms, and our liberty. All right, this new push for electric school buses has fallen flat on its face. In Michigan, especially, they have determined that the school buses cost five times what a regular school bus does, a a diesel gas combustion engine uh, school bus. So that is a deterrent in moving to all electric buses, number one, but also they're breaking down all the time. And the batteries only last for about 120 miles, and then they're dead. And they don't have enough charging stations to charge them all up. So they have to line them up one after another and charge them, and then go out and finish the rest of their route, and then go back and charge them. Yeah, this whole thing was not about convenience. It wasn't about climate change or controlling greenhouse gases. It's about control. I've told you that you guys this over and over again, trying to force us all away from gas stoves to electric stoves, from gas combustible cars to electric cars, to air conditioning and washers and dryers, to I don't know what they're going to do instead, fans, and putting your clothes outside on lines to dry in the wind. All of this is about control. It's not about saving the planet. 
It never has been. I can tell you right now. Let me just explain to you some of the predictions of world catastrophe that have been made over the years, and you tell me if a single one of them has happened. Back in the 1960s, they claimed there was so little oil that it would all be gone in 10 years. Then in the 1970s, they predicted we were going to have another ice age in 10 years. Then in the 80s, they predicted acid rain is going to destroy all crops in 10 years. Then in the 90s, they predicted the ozone layer will be completely gone in 10 years. And then, of course, in 2000, they claimed, Al Gore, that the ice caps will be completely gone in 10 years. Have any of those things happened? No. And I explained to you why the left has changed everything from global warming and global cooling before that to climate change. They can assign climate change to anything. If it's too cold, climate change. If it's too warm, climate change. Too much snow, climate change. Too little snow, climate change. Floods, climate change. Droughts, climate change. Too many hurricanes, climate change. Not enough hurricanes, climate change. Everything is attributed to climate change, and it's not about saving the planet. It's about control. So now they're trying to push these electric school buses on. And you remember our wonderful, articulate, intelligent <laughs> vice president said this about yellow school buses. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus? Right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just, there's something about the, and, and most of us, many of us went to school on the yellow school bus, right? The memory of, of the excitement and joy of going to school to be with your favorite teacher, to be with your best friends, and to learn. The school bus takes us there. So after this riveting, intellectually based, incredibly researched speech, they had a real push to try and push schools into electric school buses. That whole movement is falling flat on its face because, like I said, the school buses are way more expensive, break down way more often, and are way less dependable. So. That campaign that everyone was so excited about, especially our vice president, is probably going to just disappear into the ether and you'll never hear anything more about it because that just does not make any sense, especially when we have such high inflation and your average American is suffering right now. Okay, Jane Fonda was on, I think it was the Kelly Clarkson show or some other daytime show. And she was talking about how there would not be, well, here, let me, let me let you listen to for yourself. Take anything, sexism, racism, misogyny, homophobia, whatever, the war. And if you really get into it and study it and learn about it and the history of it and the, everything's connected, there'd be no climate crisis if it wasn't for racism. Oh, and by the way, she makes this statement. It is the Kelly Clarkson show, by the way. I, I researched it. And 
she's wearing the football jersey of a white man. <laughs> she's wearing the Tampa Bay Buccaneer number 12 of Tom Brady. Last time I checked, he was a white man. So I honestly, I think people that listen to this lose IQ points. I know I feel stupider by listening to just that small little clip. Without, we would have no climate change if it weren't for racism. Huh? Now, for those of you who don't know why in my introduction I called her Hanoi Jane, let me explain to you where she got that nickname from. You see, during the Vietnam War, Jane Fonda went over to Vietnam and stood or posed on a battle cannon and told the world that our soldiers were baby killers and murderers and rapists. And then she went to the Hanoi Hilton. That was the nickname for the prison that tortured uh, John McCain. Senator John McCain was actually a prisoner in the Hanoi Hilton. And a lot of those prisoners, while they're being tortured and long, long times they spent writing little notes uh, to whoever they were going to hand them to with their social security numbers or with their ID numbers, basically, so that their families would know that they're alive and they're just in the Hanoi Hilton or this prison camp. And Jane Fonda came and visited all of these brave soldiers at the Hanoi prison camp, and each of them handed her a little note, hoping that she, as a beloved celebrity of Hollywood, of the United States of America, would take those notes and keep them safe in a pocket and walk out and deliver those notes to their families so their families would know that they were alive and well and okay and not to worry about them, and to let the United States government know that they're prisoners of war being held in the Hanoi prison. And what did Jane Fonda do with those notes? This makes me just rage to think about this when I read about this. She handed those notes to the general and to the prison warden that were there, basically exposing what these prisoners had been planning months to try and get word to their families that they're okay, that they're still alive. Jane Fonda is a traitor and gave those notes to the prison warden and the, gen the, the Vietnamese generals and leaders instead of giving them back to their families so that their families wouldn't continue worrying about them and know that they're alive and know that the Viet Cong was lying about how they were treating the prisoners at the Hanoi Hilton. So that is why we call Jane Fonda Hanoi Jane. That is the person that's telling you we wouldn't have climate crises without racism. And the other women, the other guests that were women, were asking her how she, she thought this. And she didn't offer really a great explanation, just kind of re-explained it. Listen. Where would they put the 
Where would they put the poison and the pollution? They're not going to put it in Bel Air. They've got to find some place where poor people or indigenous people or people of color are living. Put it there. They can't fight that. And that's why a big part of the climate movement now has to do with climate justice. So, yep, that, that cleared it all up, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it's, it's clear as mud now. Or at, by the way, when Jane Fonda was bleep, she said the S word. Where would they put that, you know, where would they put the poison? This woman is completely lunatic. She has lost all sense of reality. Uh, she has never been a patriot to this country. And she is always looking for a scapegoat. And the funny thing is, she blames the white men. And uh, I'm sorry, what does she owe her career and fortune to? I think there were a lot of white men that wrote and directed a lot of the movies she was in. And I think her father and her brother were very successful white men actors, too. Gosh, this woman is just another part of the brainwashed leftists that blame everything on the white man. And by the way, that is the one demographic that you can make fun of and literally nobody will defend you. Absolutely nobody. If you are white, male, and Christian, everyone else is allowed to marginalize, dehumanize, and make fun of you, and absolutely nobody will come to your defense. Okay, and just to tell you, it actually pays and everyone will come to your defense and kowtow and capitulate if you are a minority, especially if you're a minority woman. Let me give you an example. In New York City, a black woman that worked at Equinox, and for those who don't know what Equinox, it's a very frou-frou uh, gym chain in New York very high-end, very expensive. And a woman that worked there, a black woman that worked there, sued Equinox for $11 million, and she was awarded $11 million. This woman, by the way, showed up late to work 47 times in six months. 47 times she was late for work. And she claims that a white male subordinate employee of hers, one, someone that worked for her, said bad things to her, said racist things to her, treated her differently because she was a black woman. And Equinox, or Equinox, workout facility, capitulated because she was a black woman and gave her $11 million. Now, this is being appealed. We'll see if it holds up. But I doubt it, because if you are a black female and member of the LGBTQIA plus minus apostrophe ever expanding acronym, if you are, if you check more boxes, you get protected by everyone. Everyone will pay you just so you do, don't scream racism or sexism or uh, homophobia or transphobia or anything like that. A lot of people will pay a lot of money to prevent you from embarrassing them and hurting their business and hurting their reputations by just making the allegations. Unfounded, though many are, 
it does not matter. Again, two systems of justice. And really quickly, I want to cover one other thing. For those students around the country that paid for very expensive Ivy League education and got useless degrees, like all these different degrees that are not going to get you anywhere, if you think that this government's actually going to forgive your student loans, you're being duped. You're being duped for political gain. That is it. Joe Biden promised to forgive your student debt in exchange for your vote, because that's what the Democratic Party always does. They bribe, they lie to people, and they manipulate them to get their votes. I cannot tell you, my friends of color, go back and tell me anything the Democratic Party has done for you. Not said they would do for you, around election time mostly. But name one thing they have done for you. And I'll bet you can't name very many, if, if any at all. This is another ruse to get your vote. First of all, President Biden doesn't have, or the president basically, the executive branch, doesn't have the authority to forgive student loans, even with executive orders. That would be reversed immediately in the court system. And also, a new incoming president would reverse it. So that doesn't hold any weight whatsoever. The only branch of the U.S. government that can pass laws like that is Congress. And there is no way Congress is going to pass a law that's going to forgive student loans at the expense of those who chose not to go to college, who chose to go into trades, who now make good money and don't have any student debt, but they should pay for the affluent students who went on to get graduate degrees that got them nowhere, are now finding it impossible to pay back those student loans. Let's make all of the other people pay for their student loans, because when the president or other people say they're going to forgive those student loans, and I put in air quotes, they're not going to forgive them. They're going to transfer that debt to the American taxpayers. That's how those loans will be paid off. The loans still have to be paid off. They're just not going to be paid off by you, someone who has decided that they don't, can't pay back those loans that they took out. And, you know, especially some of you that are $150,000, $200,000 in debt. And some people definitely go on to careers that can pay those student loans back. And that's what they're counting on. But when you get useless degrees like gender studies and, and uh, you know, French impressionists of, from 1600 to 70, you're just not going to make the money back to pay those loans back. And that's your fault. It's not anyone else's fault. You need to pay those loans off. So just to let you know, don't count on those student loans being paid because they won't be. You are going to have to pay those student loans. All right. And lastly, I want to spend a little time talking about the latest Trump town hall on the Sean Hannity show. And let me tell you, Trump was in great form. This is his strength. When he has an audience he can talk to almost one-on-one, -on -one, he is in his element. He connects with audiences better than any politician I've ever seen since Reagan. 
Reagan did the same thing. He delighted audiences. Audiences cheered and screamed and laughed and had fun at his rallies. And the same thing happens at Donald Trump's rallies. Now, when Donald Trump was talking about the difference in coverage between Joe Biden recently at the Air Force Academy tripping and falling on stage and the way the media treated him when he finished his speech at the West Point Academy and had to walk down the ramp in the rain in dress shoes. It was hilarious. Listen to this. Interesting. I think I made my best speech. That was my best speech. And I was so proud of it. It was pouring. It was pouring. And I said, this speech was so good. And then I said, how do I get down? Sir, you have to go down the ramp. I said, the same when I came up, it was a long, like an ice skating rink. And they said, yes, sir. And I had the general next to me, the commandant of cadets, nice guy, big guy, strong guy. I said, general, uh, and he's wearing combat boots. They don't slip too much. I said, general, get ready, because I may have to grab you here. But I said, I'm not falling. There's no way. So I'd go tippy-toe down the thing. That was a mistake, because it didn't look so good. I even agree it was. But I got killed, and they never covered that speech. I said, it was my best. Someday, they'll, in 100 years, they're going to put that speech on. I, I really... But uh, you can't fall. You just can't fall. The way the media treated him after that was insane. They said that it was definitely indicative of some possible balance or mental or numb limb issues and that we should be very concerned. They brought experts like Sanjay Gupta and um, Maggie Haberman from The New York Times and said that uh, this is uh, looks like, you know, he's not healthy and we should be very concerned about him and his balance issues. It's just, it was nonstop. I can't find the montage, but just trust me when I tell you, it was literally MSNBC, CNN, uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, all of the stations were covering Donald Trump's tippy-toe walk down that ramp as a definite sign that he's got issues that should be raised. And I think even that, they even raised the 25th Amendment issue, that he wasn't fit to serve. And they've thought that Donald Trump wasn't fit to serve since he first started running for office, because he dared run as a Republican. Remember, the very first of this little podcast, <laughs> You can hear Donald Trump talking about how he was a friend of the media until he ran as a Republican. One other thing that really stuck out in this particular town hall was Donald Trump talking about he didn't need eight years or four years to turn this country around. He could do it in six months. And what he said made perfect sense. You don't need four and you don't need eight. You need six months. Within six months, I said, within six months, this... Can be done. Other than, other than, you don't need eight years. And frankly, I wouldn't vote for him because he said, you need eight years, you need six months. We're going to drill, we're going to get our energy down. When the energy comes down, other things come down. And we're going to take care of things. We're going to immediately close up the border. We had the, we had the greatest border, we had the safest border in the history of our country. Now we have the worst border in the history of the world. There's no, and I say this during rallies, we love our rallies, but I say it during, there's never been a third world country that allowed people to pour into a country. They'd stand there with sticks and stones if they had to. 
what's happening to our country. But in terms of doing it, you don't need eight years and you don't need four years. We can have a lot of it done because these guys are amazing. The old guys, they will be. In fact, I had it so low that we had to raise it or they would have all been out of business. We had so much oil, we didn't know what to do with it. We bought a lot of it for very little for the strategic national reserve that he then took to keep the prices down before an election. You know, we had the strategic national reserves almost full. And then Biden came along and took it to keep prices down. It's called artificially down. And the thing is almost empty now. And that's meant for times of war. It's not meant to keep a price down for an automobile. It's meant for war, for real problems. And we had it 75, think of it, 75 million barrels. And I bought it for peanuts. And Congress, I had to fight Congress. And the pricing was so crazy and so good. And we needed a place because we had so much. So we start filling up. This guy comes along and he takes it for automobiles, for people so they, before the election, so the price could keep down. Now it's totally empty. It's, it's the emptiest I think it's been in 50 years. Down and it's so sad. And by the way, the price is still very high. I think that is the single most important thing. He mentioned two things. But I think the most important thing is to get our energy independence back. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have over 1 trillion barrels of oil under our country. That's more than Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, Iran, and Iraq combined. And he said later on in this interview that at one point, we were not only energy independent, we were energy dominant. And we were going to make so much money selling the energy to other countries that we would have been able to pay down our national debt. How else do you think we will be able to pay out our national debt? If we don't become profitable, and I mean really profitable as a country and have excess profits, how are we going to pay down that debt? $31 trillion in debt. And if you take what's under our country, when you combine the Bakken oil fields in South Dakota, you, com- you talk about offshore drilling, you talk about fracking, all of these things, we have one trillion barrels of oil under our country. We could be the largest supplier of oil to the world. We also just recently discovered in eastern Texas a gas pocket that had 52 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. That's enough to run our country at current levels of natural gas use for 200 years. And Joe Biden shut all of that down and has approved the least amount of oil permit, drilling permits of any president since Nixon. And it's all being done on purpose. It's all to get our country to be interdependent on other countries, to not have independence at all, and to just be another one of the countries in the world that will eventually fall to world governance. Donald Trump knows this, and he knows exactly how to get it back. And that's why he is the biggest threat to those in the radical left that want Marxism and communism in this country. And they will stop at nothing to prevent him from being elected. Because just think about this. If we get energy independent and actually become energy dominant again, and we are able to really restrict 
how many illegal immigrants come into our country. We'll be able to get things back on track pretty quickly because if we are the number one producer of oil and natural gas in the world and sell it worldwide, we'll be able to pay off that national debt fairly quickly. It'll probably take 10 to 20 years, but we'll be able to do it. At least every year, that national debt will be going down rather than climbing as fast as it is. And then honestly, at this point, sadly, I believe we're at the point where we need to close our borders. And I mean completely. No immigration at all for an entire year. Let us get everything under control uh, and pass comprehensive immigration reform, whatever that is. But basically, we're going to tell the world, if you come in illegally into our country, you're not allowed in. We'll, we'll, we still allow a million legal immigrants into our country every year. And we can increase that, of course. But we have to basically get to the point where we say no more illegal immigration at all and only allow legal immigrants. And once we do these two things, I think things would change pretty drastic and dramatically. And then one other fun little tidbit I'll, I'll share with you. Uh, Bill Gates recently has been discovered to have had a affair, an affair with a 20-year-old Russian bridge player, a very pretty redhead, but she was in his bridge club and they had an affair. And turns out Jeffrey Epstein had all of the dirt on him. They're starting to discover that Jeffrey Epstein really was a spy for foreign intelligence agencies and was paid handsomely by these agencies to get many powerful men into compromising positions to have to blackmail them, to keep them in line with what those who want to control everything want to do. So now we know why Bill Gates is the way he is. He was duped by Jeffrey Epstein. But something tells me he wasn't really an unwilling participant in this. And I think that's probably why Melinda divorced him. Because she found out all of the things Bill Gates did with Jeffrey Epstein and maybe this 20-year-old and probably some young women, minor women, to be precise. All right. And as I always like to do, I want to end on a positive note. And today's note is about the power of the subconscious mind. There are those who say that the conscious mind is the boat's captain and the unconscious or subconscious mind are the workers that follow the captain's orders. So let me explain how the, what, what that means. Be careful what you think. And especially be careful of the negative talk that comes down your thought process. When you think negative thoughts, your subconscious believes that's what you want and will bring about that. So if you say, I'm never going to accomplish anything, I'm never going to do this, I'm never going to do that, your subconscious mind goes right away, Captain. Absolutely. That's exactly what you want. So be careful what you're thinking. Because think about this, the subconscious or, uh, yeah, subconscious mind controls your heartbeat so you don't have to think about it. Blinking, 
your breathing, your hair growth, your nail growth, your bone growth, your skin growth, everything that's going on inside your body that you're not thinking about constantly is controlled by your subconscious mind. It is so powerful that you have to really be careful what instructions you give it. So always try to stay positive. And one way to do that is to be grateful for things. Live in gratitude. I know I've covered this before, but it's so important to live in an attitude of gratitude. I know that's a saying, but it really is true. And just be grateful for the small things you have. I am grateful for the car I drive. I'm grateful for the phone I own. I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for my church. I'm grateful for the education I have. I'm grateful for the books I have to read. I'm grateful for the money I have in my bank account. I'm grateful for the healthy body I have to move around in. I'm grateful for modern technology. I'm great. You literally, it's, if you actually start, and this is an exercise I, I think you really should try because you'll be surprised how long you'll be there. Start thinking of things you're grateful for. And I mean the smallest, minute things to the biggest things. Whatever comes into your mind, sit there and just say, I'm grateful for and whatever comes in your mind. I'm grateful for whatever comes in your mind. I'm grateful for. You'll be surprised. I think the first time I did it, I was there for like an hour because it's just, you'd think of, I'm grateful for the grass that is under my feet. I'm grateful for the picture on my wall. I'm grateful for uh, pens and pencils. I mean, it's, it's really ridiculous, but it gets you in a state of mind where you're constantly grateful for everything you have. And when you are feeding your subconscious mind things that you're grateful for, it will produce more things to be grateful for. And two of the most powerful words to the subconscious mind are wealth and success. I am wealthy. I am successful. If you say that enough times, your subconscious mind will follow the orders to make it true. And it won't just deliver money to you. It won't just deliver things right to you. But your subconscious mind has ideas that can pretty much solve any problem you have. Because from the moment you were born, your subconscious mind has been recording every sight, every sound, every smell, every uh, feeling, every detail of everything you've seen in your entire life and has it recorded. So somewhere along that, and me, maybe even in the background of something you were focusing on, but your subconscious mind remembers everything around it. In that background, noise or things that you haven't thought of in 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, there is something in there that will get you out of the rut you're in. If you just know how to access it, and I, you, the key to that access is gratitude. Live in gratitude. Always express things that you're grateful for, and your subconscious mind will make sure you have more things to be grateful for. All right? And with that, 
I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you have any questions or comments or agree or disagree or just want to talk or, or send me ideas, drew at the watchdogsbark.com. And that's the end of this podcast. Until next time, create an amazing day and relay the bark.